just say first of all, um, this has been nine of the richest years of our lives here. So we're grateful for you all. Um, y'all have made us better people, better Christians uh, because of the witness you shared with us. So thank you. We love you, and uh, we're looking forward to these uh, last month together. And um, and we'll say more in one-on-ones and all that. So, Famous days in history of trivia. I need a little response from you this morning. You know, the fact that we mentioned Memorial Day, I know you'll know this well. If I say December 7th, 1941, what will you say? Pearl Harbor. Now, finish this sentence. In 1492, say, oh, the ocean blue. All right, very good, very good. Now, we're going into the future a little bit. November the 5th, 2024. Hint, it's a first Tuesday. The next presidential election. Very good. Now, here's a famous date that some of you may not be as aware of from our Methodist heritage that happened just this week. May 24th, 1738. Aldersgate. When John Wesley's heart was strangely warmed at a society meeting on Aldersgate Street in London. Now, the day after that, May 25th, A.D. 33. Probably never even heard it before. I looked it up this week after, out of curiosity. A fairly convincing case can be made that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, was crucified and died for our sins in the year A.D. 33. And if you, if you follow the argument, and I think it's fairly convincing, and I can give you a link to it, because of the plausibility of that being the year, then because of the Jewish calendar uh, coordinated with the Roman calendar, you can come up with the exact day. April 3rd, A.D. 33, that our Lord and Savior Jesus was crucified and died for us. So then what's the deal with May 25th, A.D. 33? Well, we know that Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day. And we know that Jesus spent a period of 40 days with his apostles before he ascended. And then there was a 10-day period between the ascension and the Jewish festival of Pentecost. Pentecost literally means 50th or 50th day. It would have been known in the Old Testament as the festival of weeks. So likely, May 25th, A.D. 33. And on that day, we hear these incredible electrifying words. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Those holy words from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. We've come at this moment, on that day, full circle in the story and redemptive history of God as recorded in Scripture. And there's some tantalizing connections that go all the way back to the very opening words of God's creative work in the book of Genesis. As God began the creation of his world, it's as if God rolled up his sleeves and got to work. Like the ultimate master potter or the ultimate artisan, God crafts 
his wonderful word world with a mere word. And the Spirit of God is named in verse 2 as being named and present there, poised as if to enact whatever it is that God speaks. And so we hear what the Holy Spirit testifies in Genesis in this way. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then comes his crown jewel, us. We hear the Holy Spirit again saying, Then God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now hang in there with me. There's a little bit more because this is where the Acts chapter 2 really comes into focus. In Genesis 2, we get another angle on the creation of God's crown jewel. The Holy Spirit again testifies. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and what? Breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. Back in the fall, we uh, did a family discipleship workshop, and I see some of the folks in the congregation today who were there. And we, I introduced folks there to a singable catechism. Now, catechism is basically a tool that's been used in the church for centuries. It's a series of questions and answers uh, in, intended to introduce people to the basics of biblical truth and Christian faith. And so the cross-formed kids catechism has this question in, in the first section. What are humans? Now, what was cool is that they did something that sort of sounds like that old uh, 80s band Devo. And so it goes, What are humans? Humans are living creatures. What are humans? Humans are living creatures. Humans are living creatures made from dirt and made alive with God's breath. What are humans? Humans are living creatures. Who are we? What are humans? We are creatures. That's very important. We don't just exist, nor are we an accident. We were lovingly and wisely and powerfully made by a personal creator God. We were made from dirt by God, with dirt that God himself created by his powerful word. And the climax of it all is we are made alive with God's breath. And yet that life in the Spirit, the breath of God, we lost through our sin. Now when George and I sing this, that's the point at which we blow into each other's faces and make each other's hair move. Now you may be familiar with this. The Hebrew word ruach and the Greek word pneuma are the words that are often translated spirit in the Bible. It can also often be translated wind or breath. Now in this, my sermonic swan song, I've got to say it. Barry, the Holy Spirit is our spiritual air supply. <laughs> so, after Paul greets those that he's writing to in Ephesus, he leads them in worship, quite literally. He says, Blessed be the God and Father 
of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We must praise the Father this morning because he has given us the blessings that we need, the blessings to restore us back to what was lost when we chose to rebel against God. It says it like this in Genesis 1.28, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And then he goes on. When God speaks blessing, it's as if he enacts and empowers us to fulfill the purpose that he has for us. His speech is powerful. When God says, bless you, things can happen. Possibilities open up that would not be possible otherwise. We cannot live unless we're under the blessing of God. And we rejected the blessing of God. We chose the curse. But God, out of his great love for us, is wanting to pour out fresh blessing, every spiritual blessing. Ephesians 1-3 reminds us not only of Genesis 1, I think, but it reminds us of the earliest promises that God gave to Abram. Remember when God initially called Abraham, and he says, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and those who dishonor you I will curse, and then listen to this, and in you. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. When you flip over all the way over to our Galatians, and Paul is talking to the Galatians about the basis upon which they receive the Holy Spirit and upon which we receive the Holy Spirit, he has these wonderful words to say in Galatians chapter 3. Does he who supplies you, supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And then Paul goes on to say this later on in that chapter. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Truly being blessed, truly being blessed means having the promised Holy Spirit indwelling our lives again through faith in the crucified and risen Lord. Pentecost is the birthday of the fullness of these blessings. All the cake, all the presents, all the celebration bursts forth on this day. Why? Because in the words of that great old Christmas hymn, God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. He imparts those to us again. At Babel in Genesis 11, man tried to build a tower to reach the heavens without consulting with the God who created the heavens and the earth. In Acts chapter 2, the God who created the heavens and the earth and breathed into us the breath of life at the beginning is now sharing his life-giving presence in the third person of the Holy Trinity the promised Holy Spirit. Therefore, we bless the Father through the Son because of the blessing of the Holy Spirit given to us on this day. Now, raise your hand. Have you ever worked a combination lock in your life? That's probably been frustrating when you first tried to do it. When I was spent a semester at Southern Miss in the music program, we had these big wooden cabinets that we could park our classical guitars in so that we didn't have to lug them around everywhere. And we were encouraged to get a combination lock to put on that. 
And so you know the drill. There's a series of numbers. You turn to one number this way, and then you turn back to the other number and back to the other. It's as if this is like God is unlocking the padlock of his promises one number at a time. The first few numbers had to do with things like Jesus' coming, Jesus' necessary death on our behalf, Jesus' resurrection, and Jesus' ascension. But now we get the last number to finally unlock the padlock of God's promises. Because unless we experience the truth of the first Christian Pentecost, we will not have the padlock of sin and death unlocked from our lives. And so that's why it's so critical that we understand the truth and experience the truth of Pentecost. Barry and I and Corey as well, and a number of you who've been a part of the Wesley Institute have probably heard Matt Friedemann say this. He says at their church, they actually almost make a bigger deal out of Pentecost than they do Easter. And he even went on record as saying, Jesus alone is not enough. And that Jesus himself actually taught explicitly that he alone is not enough. It was he who pointed us toward the Holy Spirit. And in reality, I just never had really even had this thought till yesterday. Pentecost is when the prophecy of John the Baptist actually begins to unfold. Remember when John said, when he was preparing people to receive Jesus' coming, he said, that there's one coming after me who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts makes plain that this outpouring of the Spirit is actually the fulfillment of that promise and that prophecy. And so we must make a big deal out of this day because without it, we're lost still. We're still dead. We don't have spiritual life. Pentecost as a Christian festival that we should all know and, and celebrate, it has to be more than a historical commemoration, though. It's, it has to be more than what we sometimes, unfortunately, do with Christmas and Easter as well. It's sort of like this little day, and we unpack it, and we have it, and then we tuck it away. We have to live in the implications of this day, or, or else it'll be a crying shame. Pentecost must be more than a historical commemoration. It must be an actual communion with the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. And yet the only way that we can truly show that and truly live that out is as we receive the Spirit and we let the Spirit make us holy. For that is the purpose that Paul tells us about here in Ephesians 1. When he talks about every spiritual blessing, he goes on to talk about being chosen in Christ. But Paul makes this clear. It's so that we should be holy and blameless before him. But the key to that ultimate purpose coming of, of us coming to belong is, is, has to, us, to do with us coming to belong to the Father through the Son. And that's where he talks about being sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The sealing of the Holy Spirit has to do with us coming under the ownership and possession of God, to belong to Him as His children, to be adopted, and to be His. So in order for us to show a holy life, we have to belong to the Father through the sealing of the Holy Spirit. And thanks be to God, that's what we can have today. Because Paul says at the moment of belief in Jesus, crucified and risen for us, the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit seals, the Holy Spirit takes up possession in us, and we have the assurance that we now belong to the Father through the Son by the Holy Spirit. My dad passed away about five and a half years ago, 
But one of my favorite memories of him is growing up, he loved to go and, and, and cheer us on at football games. And so I played at Central Academy, and we were the Central Academy Vikings. Now, we came to think of my dad as he was the unofficial cheer coordinator. He would be up in the stands, and his favorite cheer went like this. Yo, baby, yo, baby, yo, baby, yo. If you ain't down with CAV, you gots to go. <laughs> and so as the unofficial cheer coordinator, he would sometimes very boldly say, yo, baby. And he would often get his wish. They would do yo, baby for him. Of course, the cheerleaders were there to stir up team spirit. Now, my favorite spirit-themed cheer was one that had some cool break dance sort of hip-hop dance moves and this coordinated clap thing. And it would go like this. S-P-I-R-I-T. We've got that spirit, so come on, let's hear it. Now, I'm not going to do the dance moves today. <laughs> Another spirit went like this. We got spirit. Yes, we do. We got spirit. How about you? And the, the intended response was, Woo, yeah. Have you and I received the blessing of the Holy Spirit? Are we who have received the Spirit further receiving the blessing of the Holy Spirit, as Paul talked about, go on being filled with the Spirit? Are we living a life of praise, both with our words as well as our actions, that bless the Father who has given us the Spirit through His faith in His Son? Is our lives in both word and deed in effect saying S-P-I-R-I-T? We've got the Holy Spirit, so come on, let's hear it. We tell that we belong to the Father through the Son by the Holy Spirit. And we do so faithfully when we show this through becoming holy by the indwelling presence and power of the promised Holy Spirit. And I'm sure Barry's going to be saying a whole lot more about that in the coming series as he walks us through some things in the book of Acts. But hear this, a Holy Spirit-produced life of holiness in Christ always shouts that we are His. And it will always be to the praise of His glory. What's our response this morning? Maybe it's to do like the original apostles did right after the resurrection when they're still living in fear and uncertainty. Let's imagine ourselves, let's recall that scene in John chapter 20. It's the evening of that first day, the first day of the week. The doors are locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. And Jesus came and stood among them. And he said, peace be with you. And then it says, when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Let's recognize the risen Christ as Lord among us. Let's open our hearts. Let's open our hands and say, Breathe on us. Lord Jesus, help us to receive the Spirit. Maybe some of us need to say that for the first time, and we all need to say that in an ongoing and a continual fashion. Breathe on us, breath of God. When we repent and believe in Jesus as Lord, we need to trust 
the desire that is very plainly stated by God in the Scriptures. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not willing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Believe and receive today. Be sealed. Go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Continue to pray. Breathe on me, breath of God. And as we're going to sing in our closing hymn in a minute, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Brothers and sisters, it's Pentecost. We're celebrating what happened on May 25th, A.D. 33, which was the inauguration of the final big piece of God's new creation puzzle. So let's commemorate in such a way that leads to real communion with God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Let's continue to respond and continue to ask that as we sing our